Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, I want to preach to you for a few minutes here today about intentional Christmas more and better. And, and, and I have something I want you to write down at the very beginning. So uh, get out your pen, go to my notes section uh, on version, whatever you do, and, and, and I want you to write this down because I think this is something that is missing in, in so many of our messages and, and just the message of Christianity to the world today. And, and it's just a simple statement, but it's, it's a powerful statement. And here it is, write it down. Kindness is part of God's plan for a better life. Kindness is part of God's plan for a better life. And today when we're talking about an intentional Christmas, I think it's important that we see the incredible kindness that is given to us during this time of the year. Kindness is part of God's plan for a better life. Now this is what Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10 and verse number 10, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I just let you know that's not very kind, amen. There's not a lot of kindness in what the thief comes to do, but this is what Jesus said, I come so that they will have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. He came to give us how kind that is. I, I have developed a conviction about Christmas and, and, and it really goes right into the intentional Christmas that we've been talking about. And that is that an, an intentional Jesus-centered, in other words, Jesus is the center of my life, other focus, other, in other words, I'm going to think about other people if I live a Jesus-centered, others-focused life, that is a more and better life than I could ever dream of, of on my own. And, and, and I think that's something that we really need to let sink into our thoughts, sink into our life. And as I've said here, that's really a conviction in my life right now that I need to be Jesus-centered and, and focus my life on helping other people and I think that's something that if we really grabbed a hold of it and intentionally lived by it, it would change our life. It would have such a, a revolution and a transition in the way that we look at things that we could really see God use us in a mighty way. And, and when I talk about being others focused, I'm talking about simple kindness. I, I believe that kindness will build a better life for you. And, and I'm gonna tell you two reasons why I think that. Two reasons why I believe that kindness builds a better life. And here, here's the first point of what I'm gonna to preach today. I believe that it builds a better life because kindness confronts and conquers selfishness. Kindness confronts and conquers selfishness. Amen. I, I know that when we grow up, our nature is to be selfish. Our nature is to look for what's the best for me. What can I get out of this? Or what can, what can I gain from this? And, 
And really, we are living in a very selfish world where the majority of people in this world are, are really just focusing on what's best for me. What can I have? What can I achieve? What can I accomplish? What can I get? What can I accumulate? And what happens when we start walking in kindness is that we are confronting that selfishness that is in our own life and we are conquering it. We are overcoming that selfishness and really moving into a whole different way of living our life. L listen to this. Listen to this statement that I, I, as a matter of fact, if you're still got your pen out, you might want to write this down also. Selfishness is the death of relationships. Selfishness is the death of relationships. But on the other hand, kindness is the life of relationships. I'm going to unpack all of this here as I'm speaking, but I want you to just kind of grab a hold of that. Selfishness is the death of relationships and kindness is the life of relationships. I, I really think that if we would grasp that thought, if we would really understand the power of kindness, it would revolutionize the way that we understand relationships. It would, it would completely change the way that we look in our reaction with other people. I, I, I've uh, spent a lot of time talking to a lot of different people in my life and, and, and counseling and dealing with marriage that uh, have issues, relationships between um, maybe a, a, a child and a father or mother and, and, and uh, sisters or whatever it is. And this is what I've found. I have found that when I am looking at relationships that are having trouble, when, when, when you feel like uh, you have a relationship that is having issues or going through trouble, if you'll really examine it, this is what you'll find. You'll find that selfishness is the root of the problem. It's the root of the problem. And a lot of times when I'm talking with couples and I'm trying to help them move forward, I'll eventually get to the place where I hear them say things like, well, this is just the way I am and I'm not going to change. How selfish. Or I'll get to the place where they'll say, well, this is really what I want and I'm going to do it regardless of what anybody else says. How selfish is that feeling, and of course it goes along with the world, that the statement of the world is if it makes me happy, I'm gonna do it. I don't care what happens to anyone else. That's not very kind. That's not, that's not a spirit of kindness. And so if you feel like today that you have a relationship that is having issues, I, I really challenge you to examine the selfish part of you that is fueling that relationship and listen, don't just say, well, it's because they're being selfish. Look at yourself first and find out that area that's in you that is being selfish and ask the Lord to help you move that selfishness to a place of kindness. Because this is also what I've found after years of talking with people and counseling with people, I have found that relationships that are thriving Marriages that are thriving and healthy, uh, family units that are thriving and healthy, there is kindness that is fueling that relationship. Kindness that is at the core of that. Now, what does that have to do 
with <clears throat> intentional Christmas? Well, I believe that Christmas at the core, at the core of Christmas, it's not about Christmas trees. It's, it, it's not about Christmas lights. It's, it's really not about the giving to each other or the, the time off or the, the, the food that we're going to eat or, or any of those things. Christmas at its core is God restoring a broken relationship with him. God looking and seeing that our selfish sin broke from him our selfish sin broke from what he wants for our life and him loving us so much that even while we walked away from him in his kindness because he so loved us, Christmas is all about God restoring our broken relationship with him. Aren't you thankful for that? I love that and I love thinking about Christmas on that level because I think so many people are stuck at Christmas just being about the nativity scene or, or about gift giving or about parties or time off. But at the core, if we are intentional about Christmas, it's all about God restoring the broken relationship that we had with him. Now, now how does kindness fit into that? Well, kindness fits into that because it's the spirit of the loving, kind God that we have that brought us this incredible relationship with him. And, and, and when you look at God, this is what he did. He loved us so much that he went beyond, him, beyond what he had. I mean, we, we've said it over and over again. He left his throne in glory so that he could come and be born in a manger. He, he, he was more focused on us than he was on himself. And we see that throughout his ministry, throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, all the way to the cross where he endured the suffering and the shame for the joy that was set before him. He was thinking about us. And this is what I mean when I say kindness. Kindness is when I make a decision inside of me. I, I, I hope you understand what I'm talking about when I say about a decision inside of me. When, when I change the way that I think and when I change my mindset deep down inside of me, deep, deep down into those values that, that really govern my life and, and dictate what my actions are, are gonna be, kindness is when I make a decision inside of me that my life will be about others. Kindness is a decision that I make inside of me to be about you. I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? He made the decision to be about us. And kindness in this intentional Christmas series that I'm talking about is when I make the decision inside of me to be about you. Now, last week, we looked at the book of Matthew, the second chapter. We talked about the wise men and, and, and we talked about how they came and, and worshiped God. And we talked all about the history behind the wise men. And, and today, I want to jump into the first chapter of Matthew and I want to talk about uh, Joseph. I want to go to Luke chapter two and talk about Mary. 
and go to Philippians and talk about Jesus Christ. And the reason I want to talk about these three is I want to see, I want you to see the incredible kindness that has been given to us through the actions of these three people or, or between Joseph and Mary and our Lord and Savior that, that has shown incredible kindness. When I look at the story of Joseph, now, now Joseph really, he doesn't seem to be a, a, a main figure in the New Testament. I mean, we, we talk about him at the birth of Jesus and, and there's a couple of stories about Joseph, but really, uh, apparently sometime between the time Jesus was 12 and the time he was 30, Joseph must have passed away. We don't really see much more of the history of Joseph or the mention of Joseph, but, but he plays such an important part in this time of the year because we see that Joseph was selflessly kind to Mary. Selflessly kind to Mary. And, and, and you may say, well, sure he was kind to Mary. I mean, the angel came and talked to him. And, and I would like for you to see how kind Joseph was even before he knew that God was in the middle of the pregnancy that Mary had. Let's read in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, now in the translation that I'm reading, it says engaged. In other translations, most translation, it's betrothed. And I'll talk about that, a betrothal in just a minute. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged or betrothed, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Can we just talk about that for a few minutes? Let's talk, first of all, about this betrothal, this engagement. It, it was much different than the engagements that we have in our culture. And, and, and you know, uh, people enter into an engagement, and, and if it doesn't work out and the engagement is dissolved, it's not really that big of a deal to society around us or the uh, people around us. I know there's hurt and there may be hard feelings and, and all of that on, on the little level, but but. The bigger level, people just say, well, it just didn't work out. That, that's not the way that, that betrothal was looked, like, looked at uh, in the time of the birth of Jesus. It, it was a very serious, uh, a formal, legal agreement. Most of the time, this was a legal agreement that had been reached with uh, the parents. The parents many times were involved in the betrothal and it was a, a legally binding formal contract. It didn't mean that they couldn't get out of it, but it was something that was uh, very, very important. And that meant that that couple was going to spend their life together. And, and it's during this betrothal time that Mary becomes pregnant. Now, we know that she was a virgin. We know that she and Joseph had no type of, uh, of relationship sexually. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that they never had that until after the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I just want you to think about Joseph 
who lives in this little town of Bethlehem, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, in this little town of, of Nazareth, and, and, and how everybody in the city has to know that they are betrothed. And, and all of a sudden, there's going to come this news that is going to be known by everybody that Mary is pregnant. Now, now two things have to happen. Either Joseph would have to feel shame because he had violated uh, the betrothal and, and, and had gone in to marry and, and had some type of relation, sexual relationship with her before the marriage, or Mary had stepped outside of the betrothal and had uh, met another man. And, and let's just put ourselves in the place of Joseph and, and how humiliated he must have felt because he knew that it wasn't his child. How angry I think most people would have been to think about how she had done me this way. I can't believe that she did this to me when I've made her these promises of what our life is going to be together and, and, and just a, a moment where self would say, you know what, to make myself look better, she really needs to be humiliated. To make myself look better, I need to tell people that's not my child. I didn't have anything to do with that. And, and this means that the betrothal is broken and shattered. And, and think about how easy it would have been for Joseph to expose her to the world, to expose her to the village, to let people know this is the one that, that broke the agreement. I am innocent in this. And, and, and she has either committed adultery with the married man or fornication, and she's the one that is at fault. Just Let me just take a moment here and tell you what that would have resulted in. It would have resulted in a death penalty for Mary. Because in the law that they lived in, in the time they lived in, we see it in the life of Jesus when they brought a woman to him who had been caught in the very act of adultery and they were ready to stone her. This is what Mary could have been facing, but instead, when he was hurt and he was humiliated and when he was embarrassed, Joseph chose to be kind. I, I want to just read that scripture to you again, verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, I know that we spent a lot of time thinking about why Mary was chosen. I'd like for us just to take a moment and think about what an incredible choice Joseph was to be the earthly father figure of our Lord and Savior. Think about the kindness that he shows in this moment. Think about how willing he is to not humiliate or lash out in his hurt, not willing to lash out and humiliate somebody because his, he's been made to look bad. Instead, he shows kindness. Let's, let's read on in verse number 20. As he considered this, so he's already made this decision then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived 
by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Kindness. Can anybody see that there? Am I just saying words? Can you see the kindness there? How beautiful that is. And it wasn't only Joseph, because when we look at Mary, we see the kindness of Mary. I mean, here she is, a young woman. Many say that she was 16 or 17 years old. And this is what the scripture says in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read through this, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And, and this is a whole nother story about how God miraculously opened the, the womb of Elizabeth and gave her a son. Uh, and he was going to be John the Baptist, the one that was going to preach about the coming of the Messiah. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And listen to this verse. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son is now, and now is in her sixth, sixth month for the word of God will never fail. I, I think it's very important for you to pay attention to this 38th verse. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Let everything you said come true. Now, notice what Mary did not say. Mary did not say, how can I explain this to Joseph? Mary did not say, how is this going to affect my reputation? Mary did not say, you, you mean I'll be unmarried and pregnant? Uh, she, she wasn't concerned at this moment what, what would happen to her, what people would say about her reputation, about, about the, 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 the scandal that would take place. She was humble-hearted and she was willing to go through all that would said about her 
so that Jesus would be a blessing to the world. I, I want you to put yourself in her shoes for just a few moments here. We, we talked about looking at it from Joseph's standpoint, but can, can you take a moment and look at it from the viewpoint of Mary, a 16-year-old, 17-year-old girl, however old she was, facing the fact that she's going to have to look at this world around her and this community that she has been a part of, and, and they're going to find that she is pregnant and with child. She, she, she's going to have to show this. And, and yet her response is, let everything happen just as you have said. Kindness. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the attitude of Joseph. I'm thankful for the attitude of Mary. And I'm thankful that this intentional Christmas highlights the fact that there is so much kindness in the middle of this story. Let, let, let's look at Jesus now. We, we've heard the, the story of the, of the birth. I, I want to jump into the book of Philippians, the second chapter, and I want to read to you what Paul said about Jesus. He, he starts in verse number three, and he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Let's leave that scripture there for just a minute. In your relationships with one another, in your marriage, in, in, your, in, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with your parents, in your relationship with your siblings, in your relationships with people at work, in your relationships with your neighbors, have this same mindset as Jesus Christ. Listen to the mindset of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let me just unpack that for a minute. Jesus, as he's walking the earth, God manifest in the flesh, did not seek equality with God by telling everybody what to do, by zapping people when they offended him, by creating stuff to make himself happy. But he did not do that. Rather, listen to verse number seven. He made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. The most powerful person, God, that has ever walked this earth. This, the, 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 the man that ended up having the most influence in the history of this world. He made himself nothing nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, if you have your Bible open, you could write in the margin there, happy, intentional Christmas, because that's what that scripture is all about. It's, it's how intentional he was to come and, and, and to live with us and to take on the form of a servant and, and, and just be made like we are. So that, that first point that I made about kindness and how important it is and how kindness, if we choose to live that Jesus-focused 
if we choose to live that uh, uh, Jesus-centered, other-focused uh, lifestyle, that it will confront selfishness in us and it will conquer selfishness in us. The second point that I'll make, if we really want to have a life that is other-focused, that builds a better life, then we need to understand that kindness makes more deposits than withdrawals. Kindness makes more deposits than withdrawals. And, and let me just put it like this, and I hope you'll forgive me for this type of analogy, but relationships are, are a lot like a banking account. And, and what is happening in banking, our banking accounts is that there are transactions that take place. And, and some of the transactions are just uh, very rare, maybe once a year or, uh, you know, Nancy and I paid our um, property taxes, our school taxes. That's a once in the year type deal. I took it down, paid it, got the receipt. And, and that's the last banking relationship I'll have with them for the year. And that, that's kind of like people in my life. There's some people that I see once a year, talk to once a year, and, and, and there's not a lot of transactions. On the other hand, HEB is really close to me. There's a lot of transactions that go on there. Sometimes I stop and just get green olives. That's all I want. And I, I mean, it's a transaction and, and, and it's right there on the corner. It's easy to go in and out of. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. People that are closest to us, we have more transactions with them than others. So I have more transactions with my sisters, more transactions with my children, more transactions with my wife than anybody else in the world. And, and it's those transactions that I have to be very intentional that I'm always making more deposits than I am withdrawals. Let, let me ask you this question. Do you know somebody that only makes withdrawals in your relationship? Yeah, we all do. They're not on our list of most favorite people. They take more than they give. And, and, and for some reason, if we're not careful with that deposit and withdrawal ratio, especially with the people that are closest to us, that's where difficulty that's where issues can really become part of our life because there's a lot of account activity going on there. So it's important that the most withdrawals that we make, and of course it's going to be for the people that are closest to us, that that is superseded by the amount of deposits that we make into that relationship. And kindness always makes more Deposits, then withdrawals. Selfishness always makes more withdrawals than deposits. And, and, and let me just say this. If your account feels like it's gone to zero, <laughs> you know, if, if, you're getting, um, if you're getting dinged for insufficient funds in your relationship, there's a good chance that it's time for you to make some deposits, some kindness deposits. Pastor, I, I didn't know I was going to get involved in a marriage situation here this morning and yeah. snuck up on you. Got right in the middle of your business when you thought I was talking about Jesus and Joseph and Mary. And, and, and the truth of it is, other focused kindness 
has to start at home. It has to. If it doesn't start at home, it's hypocrisy. If it doesn't start at home, it's not a conviction, it's an act. But when we allow this relationship to really be focused on the people close to us, then we start seeing it become a part of our life. Now, I'm going to ask you one more time if you believe that relationships in the home is where kindness needs to start. And and, wait, 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 wait. Before you say amen, there's something I want to say. Do not say amen talking about your spouse. Say amen talking about yourself. Does anybody believe it with me? Amen. Don't elbow, don't look, don't write text messages. He's preaching to you today. Leave all of that off. Look at yourself. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, wash their feet. Jesus said, be a servant. Jesus said, let the others go first. What he's saying is kindness is the life of relationships. Now, now sometimes it's difficult to serve the people that are closest to you. That's why it has to be intentional. And, And this is what I believe. I believe that kindness in those difficult relationships will turn the relationship around. It will bring healing. It will bring reconciliation. And and, and listen, I I think that if you're in a situation where you're saying, but they're so difficult, you need to take a look at yourself. We're kind of difficult, but Jesus still loves us. You're kind of difficult, but Jesus still died for you. Folks, this this is good preaching. I'm just going to tell you. This is good preaching. We're kind of difficult. Anybody kind of difficult in the room? Let me just see your hand if you're kind of difficult. And yet Jesus still loves us. Again, don't raise the hand of your spouse. That that wouldn't be appropriate at this moment when we're preaching about kindness. So one of the things we've talked about over the last couple of Sundays is these uphill habits these good habits that we develop and these good habits that become part of our life so that we can live the way that God wants us to live. And I think that there are some uphill habits about just being a kind person. And I want to bring three of them to you today real quick in our close. The first one is simply ask yourself this question, how can I help? If you're taking notes, write that down. How can I help? That this is a question that, that is so powerful when you think about how many times you come in, you're tired, but guess what? Everybody else is tired. <laughs> and the selfish, tired person says, I'm just going to sit down and let people serve me. Think about how the world would change, your family would change, how your friendship would change, how a business would change if we just simply started walking in and asking the question, how can I help? That, that's just a kind question, isn't it? How can I help? That's, that's the first one. The second one is, who can I thank? Who can I thank? You know, you know we, we need to say thank you because this is what I found. I found that kind people are also grateful people. 
And, and I, I want to give you another revelation that I have, okay? You, you, you can take it for what it's worth, but, but I believe that people are kinder to you than you realize. Because selfish people, and I'm not saying you're selfish, but it's part of our nature, we always expect people to give to us. But when we become kind and when we start thinking about who should I say thank you to, you know what happens? We start realizing the little acts of kindness that are constantly coming to us. People holding doors for us, people uh, uh, giving us something that we might need or, or helping us with a project or, or just saying a kind word to us. And, and when we start saying, who can I think, this is what's going to happen to your life. You're all of a sudden going to start noticing all of these random acts of kindness that people do towards you. When you start thinking about who do I need to be grateful to and who do I need to be grateful for what they've done for me, you'll start seeing things. You'll, you'll start noticing these little acts of kindness that people are doing to you. And, and this is what happens. I wrote this down and, and I saw somebody say this years ago. When you look for it, you see it. You know what I'm talking about? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been shopping for a new car and you have your desire set on a certain type of car and then all of a sudden you see it every time you go somewhere. I one time went down and shopped for a Corolla and I, man, I, this is what I want and I, I, this is a good car. This will be a good family car. I, I left the dealership and, and the four or five miles I drove from there to my house, I must have seen 50 Corollas. When you look for it, you see it. And this is what's going to happen. When you look for kindness, you're going to see it. And then when you see it and you start highlighting it, you start telling people thank you, that then, then when you highlight it, what you're doing is you're honoring them for the, the kindness that they're showing to you. And, and when you honor it, this is what you're doing. You're encouraging them to continue to be kind towards you. And when you, when you encourage it, it creates a cycle of kindness. If you tell somebody, thank you for opening the door for you, the next day at the job, they're going to say, I'll, I'll open the door for this guy because he's kind and he recognizes how I've been grateful. And I'm talking about something that's very superficial. Let's take it down to our family, to our marriage. Just think about all that we do for each other that many times we take for granted. Men, it is not God that takes those dirty underwear and washes them and miraculously puts them into your Chester drawers. When you open it, it's like, oh God, you're so awesome. No, it's that incredible wife. Ah, I felt the Holy Ghost. Think about the, the kindness and the little acts that we see. And when we honor it, we encourage it, and we encourage it, we create a cycle of kindness. Okay, third thing, last point. What can I forget? I should have had Elsa visit today and sing, let it go, let it go. Because there's a lot of stuff that we just need to let go. There's a lot of stuff that we don't let go that hinders us from being kind, hinders us from being grateful. As a matter of fact, a lot of stuff that we hang on to, 
results in bitterness in our own life. I'm preaching to somebody right now. There is no doubt about it that I am preaching to someone that hangs on to something, some little insignificant thing, some statement that was made, something that you've let stew in your pot for years and you've let it boil over and, and affect every part of your life because you will not let it go. I've had people that I've had conversations with time and time and time again trying to give context to what they think that they heard and they will not accept the, the thing that I am saying or, or understand the context of what I'm saying something. Instead, they take what was said and they build this wall of bitterness in their heart and it completely destroys relationships. Let it go. One of the greatest things of kindness that you can do is think about what can I forget? Did you know what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says? It says that, uh, that love keeps no record of wrongs. Did, did you know what Proverbs chapter 10 and 12 says? It says love covers a multitude of sin. There, there is an importance in letting some things go and forgetting it. Let that be an uphill habit today that you develop that you're going to forget it. You're going to put it behind you. These perceived wrongs, these perceived statements, these, these castles that you've built in your mind about this is how they've treated me and this is what they've said about me. And th th Let it go. Just say that with me. Let it go. Just, just put it out of your mind. Kindness is not natural to us. That's why it's such a God thing. Kindness is not natural to us. Now, there's certain types of personalities that are kinder than others, but generally, the world is full of anger and division and fighting and arguing. and It's not really natural to us. But, but listen, kindness is natural to God. When he introduced himself to Moses on Mount Sinai, he talked about he was loving kind, that he was full of compassion. And it's no wonder that when Paul was writing in the book of Galatians and telling us about the incredible work of the Spirit. You know, first he talks about the work of the flesh. And, and if you read the works of the flesh that is listed there in the book of Galatians, this is what you're going to find. Selfishness, 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 selfishness. But then he starts talking about the work of the Spirit in our life. And man, it's just completely different. It's uh, love, joy, Peace, long suffering, and his kindness. But I don't know about you, but I want the Spirit of the Lord to work in my life. I want to be intentional about being kind and having the heart of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me today? Our team's coming back to just lead you in a worship course to close our service and if you, I know that uh, maybe you're here today and you haven't been baptized in just a few moments. 
you'll have that opportunity. Our baptism team was here. I, there's someone here that I'm going to be baptizing or that our baptism team will be uh, baptizing here uh, after service. And I'm so thankful for that. That, that. This is a great way. Uh, and, and baptism is such a mark of kindness because it's there that, that Jesus does something incredible. He lets us put Him on. He washes us and removes the stain of sin in our life when we are baptized in His name. I'm so thankful for that. And, and, and I'm thankful for you today. I, I want to tell you all, have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love you. I'm thankful for you. But this is what I would ask. I would ask that you really think about that more and better life and that you understand that intentionally this week, I'm going to be kind. I, 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 I'm going to think about who can I help? I'm going to ask people, how can I help you? I, I, I'm going to think about who do I need to say thank you to? And, and I'm going to take any negative thought that comes of something that's happened in the past and I'm going to let it go in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for today and thank you for, thank you for the intentional Christmas, Lord. Thank, thank you that, that you did not um, put yourself on the uh, same level as God when you walked the earth, but you came as a servant that, that you wrapped yourself in the flesh of man, God. And, and you did that so that you could be the sacrifice for my sins. The intentional Christmas, it starts with a, a cradle. It starts with a, a manger. But, but Lord, we know that, that really, that even in that moment, the cross is there and you came to set us free. So we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We thank you, dear Lord, as we celebrate this time together that we're very intentional about why you did all of this for us. And we want to be Jesus-centered in our life. You are the Lord of lords. And we want to be others-focused because that's what you did for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. I, I, I'm going to come back and close in just a minute. But before I do... Will you just kind of be still for a moment as the team leads us in this last course? And let's just open our heart to whatever God would have for us. Thank you.